Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. This is episode 69, and we're diving into the brand new horror film, It Lives Inside. I'm J.R. Forresteros. I'm Amanda Forresteros. I'm Mo Zahedi. And I'm Adriana Miskiti. Not only am I jealous that you guys <laughs> always get to watch the movies together, and most of the time I got to go watch the movies by myself, but in addition to having the group fun, I heard you guys had some additional fun this time around. It was uh, it was really interesting. So yeah, we all we're all on the AMC A list. So we're in each other's entourages. We're uh, very cool. Yeah, which means that <laughs> the three of us and Adriana's boyfriend uh, Geoff, uh, Jeff, uh, we all four uh, go out go to the movie. And so we walked into this theater, and it was the four of us. There was like one dude way in the back of the theater at the top, and then there were two middle aged Indian couples. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh, I hope they like horror. I don't know. Like, I didn't know why they were there. Like, uh, we went and saw Joanne a couple of weeks ago, which is a crazy new Bollywood movie. And the theater was like three quarters full of Indian folks. We were the only white people in the theater. So I was like, maybe it's just like, go support, you know, go support the cinema of your people kind of a thing. Or maybe they're big horror fans. I don't know. I'm a middle-aged person who likes horror. So I guess I guess I shouldn't judge. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the credits are rolling at the end of the movie. We're all kind of like sitting there, you know, what did you think? What was the best part? Whatever. And I noticed a flash as though someone had taken a picture of the credits behind us. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I, like, I assumed that that meant that somebody back there knew someone in the movie because that's what we do whenever we happen to know someone in a project is, you know, we're watching on TV or whatever. We'll like pause it and take a picture and, you know, text them and freak out. So we're all standing up to leave. And I noticed the two Indian couples behind us are standing up to leave and maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more aggressive than assertive. Aggressive. It was aggressive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was so here for it. I was like, you are such an extrovert. You're the most extroverted human on the freaking planet. I just said, uh, hey, did y'all just take a picture of the credits? And they got, this is why I said a little maybe aggressive because they got a little sheepish. They were like, uh, yeah. Uh, like, I don't know if they thought I was like some kind of studio security or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it was just, I was like, Oh cool. Do you know someone that was in the movie? And one of the women kind of puffed her chest out and she said, yes, our daughter is the character Tamira who in the movie is the first girl that has the jar. Uh, which I think that's... it was the friend. The friend got super excited to like, yeah. just like her smile was ear to ear <laughs> and was like, her daughter is Tamira. It's yeah. her daughter. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty cool. That oh my pretty- gosh. Thanks, such, JR. Yeah. Such a cool. Yeah. Thanks for being the most extroverted extrovert <laughs> and also uh-huh. having no social boundaries because that means uh-huh. we get to meet very cool people. On when the he way. called me this morning to tell me this story, I was like, this would have happened to no one else. Never would I have questioned <laughs> anyone who took a picture in a theater. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and so I did movie, a, and I'd I like, did a very. Normal. Yeah. And so I did a very quick, uh, you know, dive on uh, Tamira's character. I believe her 
her name is pronounced Mohana anyway uh, in, mm-hmm. in real life. But uh, she apparently started out in Disney when she was a like young wee, wee bay and then has like had a few different uh, roles since then. And this was her first feature. Uh, and I thought she killed it. And she grew up in Plano, which is where I play roller derby. And I'm there like three times a week. So that was pretty, pretty sweet. <laughs> It was a cool moment. We felt very, I, we geeked out a little bit. We all kind of were just like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing. Cause you know, of all the AMCs her parents could have gone to, they went to the one that we go to every week. So um, that was really cool. And of course, you know, I, I asked, you know, like how accurate was the folklore? Because you, you always want to know, right? It's not, it's not our stories. It's, it was their story that was being told. And, uh, Mr. Krishnan said, you know, it was it was very accurate. It was very close, which, by the way, scares me even more now. Thousand percent. Yeah. So I was just like, <laughs> yeah. So if you head over to our Instagram, which is dsu.podcast, you can see a picture that Mr. Krishnan uh, asked if he could take with all of us to send to his daughter to show, look, fans in the wild right and so yeah they he took that and they gave us permission to share that as part of our a little promo there of course we we uh are respecting the strike and so we're not asking if we can get an interview but we are uh, anxiously awaiting what their next inter- what uh mohana's next inter- uh, movie is maybe we can uh, maybe we can get an interview then so uh, anyway that was a cool story totally a random uh you know celebrity adjacent chance meeting uh for this movie Mm -hmm. but let's get into it i'm going to read the plot summary from imdb for it lives inside this is a movie about an indian american teenager struggling with her cultural identity who has a falling out with a former best friend and in the process unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness uh yeah so what did you all think of it lives inside scary i was a big fan Oh, I don't, scary still, I don't know if that's how I would describe it. I love the film. I love the cultural aspect. I love the monster. I don't want to get into spoilers, but everything about it, I thought played very well. The acting was good. The story was good. It wasn't too long, played by the rules. Um, but I was never like terrified during the movie. I think this really latched onto a certain type of fear, maybe, or an ostracization, um, but certainly lands in the horror genre, and I like the entire movie. Uh, Mo, I can tell you for a fact that the two other co-hosts besides the two of us were definitely very scared at different points in this movie. I was <laughs> sitting between them. <laughs> Maybe I'm just toughening up, finally. I finally come around, you know, three years, four years, seven it's, years It's later. taken this long. Yeah. yeah, I smacked JR a couple of times, like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I felt, I felt the tension for sure. Yeah, there were multiple times that, I mean, it was pretty visual, like visually pretty graphic for being a PG-13 horror movie. Like I know the tendency in PG-13 horror is to not have like a ton of blood and guts, but I thought there was a lot of really visceral. I mean, of course, the the typical like jump away, you know, jump scares or, or move away or fake outs or whatever. But I I was highly entertained, very much enjoyed it. There were a couple of like eye roll moments or like a little bit of like cringy, like, oh, that was was kind of weird but for the most part i mean to your point mo i think that the acting was stellar it was very believable and and i agree that the monster reveal that's what i've been talking about with anyone who's asked me about it is like that was really 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 good 
like really yeah. good. I yeah. enjoyed it a lot. I, I completely agree with that. I think everything both of you have said is spot on. I, we all agreed on this when we walked out and we talked about it when we have our little huddle moments after the movie. Um, uh, yeah, of course, every movie's going to have like a couple little eye rolls, right? Or some have a lot more than a couple. This one just had the two little things that we were like, oh, okay. But overall, I mean, I was pretty tense for a lot of it, which I like. That's what I'm looking for in a horror movie. I, I, I like that. Um, there was no big jump scares with like sound you know the cheap ones that that we all really hate um the acting was fantastic and i I, yeah the monster reveal was pretty great and the the death scenes uh, even though they were pg-13 were kind of cool they were cool yeah i like this movie overall for sure i think largely because as we're going to talk a lot more about in spoilers at least for an American film audience, it was going some places that were familiar in terms of genre. You know, this is a this is a demon possession movie, um, but because it's not Catholic Christian demons, because it's a quote unquote demons out of Hinduism, completely different rule set, completely different expectations, and I think that unsettled me slash all of us quite a bit because again mm-hmm. we're not sure what the rules are uh but to most point as you learn them the movie played by them and and uh i think that created a lot of really interesting experiences uh it did do a couple of the typical horror things that always annoy me like having someone google answers like ooh, just <laughs> okay um but on the other hand uh, there oh, go ahead I got to interrupt. I will say this is the one time where that didn't actually bother me because it was Same. new lore. Like they didn't, this wasn't our normal cliche, like, you know, American exorcist film where they just do the same thing over and over. Like this was a woman who was trying to listen to a young girl and like Good help point. her and be there. So, but she had no clue. This isn't her history. And this girl at that point, I'm getting into spoilers a little bit. Yeah. I would say we'll come back to this in spoilers because I think this could have been done a lot more elegantly in a way that I think would have made the film stronger. But let's come back to that. Clash. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The other thing, though, that I thought this movie uh, got away with that I was surprised by is the other thing I hate in horror movies. Hate, like, hate so much is when there is a very, very scary sequence involving the monster and then it turns out it was just a dream. Uh, This film did that, but it actually was part of the rule set of the monster. And so I thought it managed to do it in a way that actually heightened the scares, didn't lessen them for me. Um, again, I will expound more on that in spoilers. But so there, there were some things in this movie that I thought were pretty cliche. There were others that I was afraid were going to be, be cliche, but actually worked in some surprising and good ways. Uh, and I really wish I, I I know why they went PG-13 with this. But to y'all's point, the gore was like right there. And I would have loved to have seen them like just go for a hard R, push it over the edge and do some stuff. I think this director has it in them to do some really more shocking stuff. So I kind of wish that they would have done that. But overall, really loved it. Yeah, Again, the the two central actors, uh, Mohana Krishnan and uh, Megan Suri were terrific, terrific. They're both, I think, early 20s. And so I hope we get a lot more film from both of them because they're just terrific. The supporting cast was all really great, too. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, again, for a September horror release, this was, I think, uh, uh, exceeded my expectations. 
So uh, any any other general thoughts before we get into spoilers? Let's spoil it. All right, here we go. Then we're doing spoilers for It Lives Inside. Don't split up. Okay, uh, but there's, there's several, like, topical kind of things obviously we want to dive into but i'd love to just hear like what were what were your favorite moments in the movie best scares that kind of stuff um amanda there were several times i looked over and you were covering your eyes oh yeah absolutely i'm i'm certain there were multiple scenes that i didn't actually see because it was too scary i will say i proudly uh saw the whole face of the demon in the final reveal teeth and all and all the 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 like visceral cracking motions of the the like bones and screams when it would crack and that kind of like all of that was very effective to me uh obviously you all know i love a good creature feature i know this is a little different than that um i loved the randomness that the high school mascot wa- was the werewolves i was like uh i've never heard that before <laughs> such but, a weird little yeah. fun but it, it it felt very like werewolfy when the you know the dumb the dumb boy is getting attacked on the swing set that was horrifying oh, but also yeah like it yeah i mean just very well done so those those were some of my favorite things i will say my least favorite thing was the him like kissing her and then lighting up a joint and then being like can i kiss you and like that was very dumb but then super paid off with his like very hardcore death mm-hmm. which is <laughs> very cold but you know whatever so you mentioned the monster reveal, and this is one of the few films where I feel like the full reveal of the demon, the monster, whatever it is that's been chasing someone for the entire film, didn't. it wasn't a letdown. I thought it was cool. I thought it was creative. It was something different. The little baby skulls in it that were screaming and all acting individually, like they they brought some depth to it. And for once, I wasn't, usually that's the turning point where you're like, oh, I'm not scared anymore. It's the goofy, silly monster that looks like it was made on a set, but this was creepy. It was new. I liked it a lot. I found the the final exorcist sequence to be pretty effective overall, um, especially because I didn't get the sense that the monster was dumb. Like, uh, you know, the, obviously they're trying to trap it back in the jar and uh, the monster breaks the jar. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> You know, fool me once, shame on you. Trap me in a jar twice, shame on me. Right, and it it uh <laughs> it got that out, uh, which then of course leads to Sam having to be like the Sufi who's going to you know keep it within herself, which I want to talk about. I want to circle back to when we start talking about themes. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that the final boss battle with the demon felt like it had real stakes and it felt like the things that they needed to do weren't just going to work you know because it's the end of the movie like i felt like all of those all of those beats really felt earned and again i appreciated a monster that's not just dumb right that like understands its own rules and works to to circumvent them so i thought i thought that was an effective scare definitely clever what about you adriana what did you love or hate so or much. Hate, yeah, it, yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I hated in the movie really was the little crush, the 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 boy with you Y'all know, both hated the, him so much. Oh, yeah. With the he American, you know, like yeah, just typical American kid 
doing things he's not supposed to be doing. And, you know, he was just, eh. but again, big payoff with his uh, very brutal and terrifying death. Cause I, all I picture in that moment is just, he is fully aware of all of this and experiencing it and dying horrifically which was super cool <laughs> but um i mean i really loved the cultural aspect of this movie i you know for me in middle school and, and high school um one of my closest friends uh best friends at that point in my life was um is indian so uh culturally like i i remember a lot of those things and being a part of their life um and i had a, a few friends you know who Hispanic, Indian, uh, Vietnamese, who did the arm shaving thing and did the, you know, trying to fit in, you know, because of that Western view of what beauty is. And when you're a kid, you kind of, you're not thinking about whose heart you're breaking or who you're hurting, or, you know, if you're letting down your parents or your friends or anyone that, you know, it's just what you're feeling in that moment and how you want to be a part of everything that's going on. And I, I loved that that played into what this monster was just just feeding off of, you know, all of this loneliness and and all of all of the feelings that this these teenagers, it's just like the perfect victim, right? All these teenagers with all of these emotions of loneliness and and feeling left out and um, isolation. So I, I really liked that part of the storyline favorite death obviously the swing death that was so incredibly uh like just brutal just just this this constant and then he thought he was safe and then nope guess again um that was our only like, death though wasn't it other well, than the family at the, at the beginning yeah that was pretty oh. intense seeing them all just you know torn into pieces and then the kid that was burnt up like i felt like that and the art on the walls was very cool um, very scary. Visually, this movie was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was it was not cheesy. It was very well done. Um, very scary. Like I said, there was moments where I just started like I I, I just we don't like talking in the theaters, but there were moments where I was like, no, 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 don't. Or even a moment where like, I just got so excited and scared that I started patting JR on the arm <laughs> and he was probably like, what are you doing? But um, just overall, I, you know, from watching just a little bit of the trailer, I didn't expect it to be this good. And I am pleasantly surprised. Like this was this was a lot more than I than I thought it was going to be, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, let's go back to let's let's talk more about the you know the Im the assimilation and immigrant experience uh, theme of this film. Uh, so so both Sam and Tamira's parents are immigrants. They're they I think are both American born or at least have been you know in America long enough that they, you know, they speak, uh, unaccented English, um, unlike their parents. Right. But mm -hmm. in the opening of the film, we get a bunch of little clues that you like, like what you pointed to with the arm shaving that Sam is trying to be as quote unquote American as possible, which actually really means white as possible. Right. So she goes mm -hmm. by Sam instead of her, her full name, which is Samita. Uh, she 
doesn't speak Hindi to her parents, even when they speak it to her. Uh, when she wa- when she runs out of the house to go to school, she smells her shirt um, to make sure it doesn't you know smell too much like curry or you know something like a incense or whatever spices yeah, yeah. uh and then she does she specifically doesn't take her lunch uh that her mom packs for her which again i there i'm you know an uh i'm a white boy so i don't have these experiences but i have a number of friends who are non-white who have shared those kinds of painful experiences of having a a, a lunch that their parents packed for them that isn't white food and so the other the kids at school use this as a source of like mockery and othering um and and we can see all of this even though you know she's in high school at this point right these are still mm-hmm. all signifiers of her culture and her heritage that she's rejecting to try to be accepted uh which again ultimately means assimilate as a white person um but i'm curious i i mean you said this was a this really was meaningful to you like what what all did you what all resonated with you about this aspect of this film uh the whole thing i mean i thought it was just really cool how they played on the fact that her essentially doing her best to fit in, to try to be like everyone else, to push away her own culture, family, et cetera, in an effort to do so is what, you know, eventually hurt her the most. Um, it's funny you guys didn't like the love interest or the, you know, the goofy high school guy, but I didn't mind him. I mean, he was your normal guy who didn't want to get to know the person he was talking to, though. And I think that's inevitably what led to his death is he was interested in her, but at a surface level. And so even when she's trying to tell him, like, I don't want to be that girl. This is why I left Tamir. And she's trying to have this like heartfelt moment. He was so clueless as to what that meant because he still didn't understand her, her culture. He didn't even know what he was there supporting her to do. He was just blindly supporting her. And, and so, I think to your point, the 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 insidious bit of it is he's not curious about it, right? Like there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. We all start ignorant, right, of something. Um, but it's that lack of curiosity uh, that I think was his sort of, uh, if we can, deadly sin. Right. Well, and you can see her fighting it even from the beginning because she desperately wants to fit in. She's attracted to him. He's cool as well. But just the he idea wants that to know if you he, speak other languages in the video is like so cringy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, yeah. But she does it anyway. Like she's so desperate and simultaneously ignores her friend who clearly needs help. And she's willing to throw everything away just for this chance to fit in. Um, I just thought they nailed that amazingly like there's so many immigrants people that come over that have that difficulty and that was the horror of the film to me so we have a good friend who's uh an immigrant from latin america and in one of my one of my conversations with her she said something that again as someone who is like so stupidly privileged it's just very much a struggle for me to really get it you know but she said one of her one of the things that uh, is hard for her is that all of the people that they have easy access to hang out with are other Spanish speaking immigrants. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's fine. But literally the only thing we might have in common with them is that we all speak Spanish. You know, uh, we may not be interested in the same things, read the same books, like the same pop culture, want to do the same kind of traveling. And I think what I saw in that scene on the bleachers where her friend asks her to say, say, uh, so-and-so is my best friend in Hindu, uh, is, is that when, when you're the outsider, often 
the only thing that's interesting to majority culture is is what makes you exotic. So in mm-hmm. Sam's case, it was that she's Indian and speaks other languages and all of these things that have nothing to do with who she is as an individual. They're just the sort of big buckets that someone gets put into. So, you know, it would be like if I went to, uh, I guess if I went to India, right? They were like, oh, you're from America. Like, tell us things about America. Say these. I mean, it would be the same as saying these things in English because most Indian people are buy or try or multilingual, unlike most white people who are not. Well, I think the hardest thing for Tamira and Sam is, for example, my friends here in Texas had such a large, I mean, they have an amazingly large group of Indian people that's around them. And Sam and Tamira are in a town where it's all white people. And then there's them. So had they been somewhere like in Dallas, maybe there's there's always going to be that cultural, you know, you know, I'm not white enough. I'm not brown enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Or you're just an immigrant and you have like all these different things. uh, You know, your clothes smell differently because of what you cook at home and all these different aspects of, you know, not being white. Right. But for them, I, I feel like it made it so much harder to try to fit in because everyone in this town is white. They go to a high school with all these white kids and it's just them. It's just a handful of brown kids. And, you know, that's that made it, I think, even more just like a stronger sense of I have to be like the majority of the group here in order to be liked, in order to be a part of, you know, the 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 cheerleading squad, in order to be on this team, in order to be, you know, invited to the parties. So, you and, know, pushing Tamira away because of that was for mm-hmm. her to try. Yeah, it was because of the majority of the of this town is white. And I was I was afraid that Russ was going to be some kind of like flagrant racist. Mm. Right. Like he was going to say some kind of horrible thing or like they were going to like have a carry situation where he was only interested in her as a, you know, whatever. And I'm actually really glad they didn't, because I think it shows the more casual nature of assimilationist racism, which is not that I bear any ill will towards you. I just still think you're different. Mm -hmm. Right. Like at the end of the day, I don't see you as part of we I see you as part of them um, and there's nothing she can do to be part of us. You know what I mean? But not in a, not in a, like he's going to go burn a cross on her lawn. No, I still feel Russ, Russ accepted her differences. You know, you don't want to be completely blind to culture, right? Like you don't want to say, I don't see this race. You want to see that person that is different. Quote marks on that though, because for him, they were novelties. You know what I mean? Like he never got to understand her. He never understood those differences. It was just, she was different from the rest. Therefore he was drawn to her, but without any understanding of who she was was or any desire to get to know who she was i think it just goes back to being a 16 year old kid i don't think he has any interest in getting to know anyone deeply at that age i mean it because he did try to ask about the puja right yeah yeah what's this about and she she was kind of like but like i got at least a little bit of a sense that he was like a little bit interested. he actually died because he was helping her 
yeah. this this monster, this demon was killing anyone who was going to help Sam. So, you Sounds know, like he you was do like him. <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't like that he just kissed her. I didn't like that he started, you know, lit up a blunt, you know, knowing that that's probably something that she, you know, is not going to be okay with. What, for she's, many a ve- reasons. she's a vegetarian pots vegan. He's, he said only well, if you're into it. He was very non-aggressive about it. Uh, that's you like don't the have worst to be thing. Aggressive. Can, yeah. yeah, that's the worst thing you can say to a 16-year-old girl. Like, oh, only if you're into it. Oh, well, I, I think have of way to be, worse. I I have to be so cool. So of course I just have to play it off and be the cool girl and smoke this exactly. joint and cough in your face as we're like, kissing. yeah, I, I totally <laughs> smoke pot all the time. I do the pots every day. Of course I do. But, you know, it's uh, I just I do like that they didn't play into like your typical white kid who's going to be like racist. And, you know, like Jr. said, do like this carry thing. Um, But overall, I think his character is just cheesy and and needed more depth, um, whether that be douchier or nicer or whatever he just was kind of bland to me until he died and then that was like a really cool scene you know yeah i also wanted so i was just looking at the imdb page so it specifically says that because i was curious where this sort of space was where it was filmed uh, or at least like what what kind of space it's supposed to be filmed in because the amount of rain and the randomness of rain throughout the entirety of the film was like, oh, it's sunny and great. Oh, now we're soaking wet. Now we're inside the car where we're not soaking wet, but we say we're soaking wet. We should probably go make out somewhere. Like it was, that was funny to me. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. I I was like, are they just in the Pacific Northwest? Like, is that what that is? (laughs) I don't really know. I like the color of the film, the filmography, everything overall, Mm -hmm. but that opening scene bothered me a lot when she walks into the house in the rain with her jar and the entire time she's walking in, you can see her silhouette in this pouring down rain, but her hair is like frizzy and clearly not wet. And then she walks into that house and it's perfectly dry. Yes. And that baffled me. Yes. It was just a nitpick. Yes. For sure. uh, What'd you all think of the demon? So, so I want to give you a little research I did. The Pashash. You know, I love right? a good backstory. I know, right? <laughs> I have a good friend who uh, almost got his PhD in Hinduism. So I... The language? Yeah. Yeah. Red. Uh, so I, I literally just... Te- this is what, another reason. I, if you're my Progress. friend, and these two can testify to this. Uh, if you're my friend, you just consent to getting weird text messages from me without any explanation. Mm-hmm. So I texted this guy, what do you know about Pashash? <laughs> and he says, I'm just going to read this to my friend Christian. He said, not a ton, but in the world of ghosts, they are the least happy. Generally, they are beings that have been recruited to do bad things because they were taken too soon or through tragedy or they didn't do their karma. Then they take on the vibration of what we would call demons. They harass, attack, perturb, influence humans, make them sick, influence bad behavior, etc. And then he was then he said, why do you ask? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. So so again, as uh, Mr. Krishnan affirmed after the film, and as my friend Christian as his text revealed, the demon real I mean, this it was a very good representation of a Pashash. Uh it is interesting that one of the challenges when you get into religious studies is that like 
Hinduism maybe doesn't even really count as a religion because it's just what Indian people do that sort of looks like what white people call religion. And so when white people went to India, they were like, oh, that's the religion stuff. And Indians are like, I mean, I guess it, we it's just what we do. Uh, and so I think here too, right? Like we call this thing a demon, but demon has a lot of cultural implications for us mm -hmm. as Westerners, right? That are maybe not necessarily totally aligned with what a Peshash is. So I thought it was really interesting that this was a thing that we don't, is it a ghost? Is it a spirit? Where did it come from? We don't really know. What we do know is that it feeds on your negative emotions and it kind of tortures you until you're so tormented that it can feast on your soul. Uh, yeah, I like how the mother described it as tenderizing the soul. Well, and this is the thing, right, where I talked earlier about the dreams. That's why that didn't bother me, because the whole thing, like, all it's doing is sort of playing with its food and trying to, like, make you more and more and more afraid. And so, yeah, that tracks with what we saw it doing to Sam and the way mm -hmm. we saw Tamira by the time she presented, you know holding the jar when we when we meet her at the beginning of the film so. yeah absolutely i thought that it was incredibly effective i love that so jr actually asked us because he had texted christian prior to the film uh just to get a little bit of of details and actually asked us would you all like to know this information prior to going in and both adriana and i were like nope we want to no. go in just completely oblivious and take it all in <laughs> afterwards. Then we can kind of explore. So I don't know if that would have necessarily changed my experience. Like, I don't feel like it would have spoiled the, the, the experience at all, but yeah, I mean, like I've already gushed about, it was extraordinarily effective and very creepy. And again, to the point that it creeped me out, even though I, I do not practice Hinduism or, necessarily believe in the Pishash, although maybe I do because I clearly had to have a nightlight on last night. So, you know, <laughs> maybe there's at least some part of me that was super freaked out by it. Um, but yeah. I think it helped not knowing. Yeah. Uh, you know, walking into this completely blind, having zero information on it, not being your typical priest, Catholic possession that we watch, you know, over and over again in these movies and having none of the information that JR just gave us, it, it made it so much more intense for me throughout the movie because I didn't know what to expect. What does this thing want? What's next? What is it going to do? And and every detail that the movie, you know, gave us uh, slowly, because I, I like that they didn't just release it all at once, kind of like the reveal for the monster, right? Like it was a very slow reveal in the dreams and the shadows with the eyes. And then suddenly here's this massive, just horrifying monster it, it, that made it so much more scary for me. And it made it so much better. I really, really liked just the way all of it kind of developed without me having zero backstory on this. I think that if I knew I was going to be expecting, oh, well, you know, he's going to be doing this or this is why he's doing it. And I'm glad that I had nothing to go by and just pure fear <laughs> and tension like in this movie. I don't know. It was just it was different. Uh, I mean, as far as an exorcist film uh, or what you expect or how to handle things, like we kind of said, like the rules were all new. We didn't know where to go with this. Um, I kind of had an inkling after her teacher, you know, briefly brought up the S Sufi 
that that was the way this movie was going to end, that that was going to be full circle, kind of her coming back to her culture and embracing everything and kind of working things out. But when you got to the last scene, it was, it was well done. Like her running to the house, the bottle breaking at that point in time, you're kind of caught up in the moment. I forgot about the whole Sufi thing. I'm like, Oh man, they're screwed. They better find another bottle. And then when Tamir kind of wakes up and starts singing with her. And I remember that and you kind of see her have that flashback. I thought that was great. Like instead of expelling the demon, it was like taking the evil inside and like keeping it from others. And I just thought that was a very fresh take on possession, Mm -hmm. a little reverse possession. And how hilarious was it when they made this amazing, immaculate vegetarian feast for it? And it was like, nope. And just like <laughs> flipped the table and what was is like, that? nice try, suckers. <laughs> I was like, listen, I, I'm I'm a, a meat eater through and through, but that looked real tasty. And they spent right. a long time on it. I was they definitely 10 out of 10 times sitting down at that table. So I've been on like a 60 day fast that was followed by a juice cleanse. And I had to sit down in this movie. One, I Why? swear one, <laughs> someone was eating fried chicken in the theater, which was bad enough as I sat down. I don't even think they sell that at the theater. So what the hell? And then I watched like delicious Indian meal after delicious Indian meal be presented. And all I, it was hard to concentrate on the movie because all I wanted <laughs> to do was get the hell out of there and go get some Indian food. Absolutely. But, and then at the very end, they kind of like cleanse your palate, so to speak, by being like, or you could just eat raw meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I said I wanted to circle back around to the uh, the teacher getting the Google information and the assimilation mm-hmm. and all of that. I want to get there by asking if y'all had, because I do, uh, I'll show my cards. I have a specific read of the last shot of the movie, and I want to know if any of you do. That's when we, uh, that's when Sam and Tamira a year later are comparing notes about things and, Parkways. you know, uh, and and they hug and say, you know, we'll always we'll, we'll 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 always handle this together. And then the last thing we see is a shot of Sam's face, and a tear just rolls down her face. Um, what did y'all? What did y'all make of that final shot? For I don't me, know. it was like the jar cracking at the beginning for Tamira when it got so strong that she, you know, she was feeding it and she just couldn't contain it. It just it was too much for her to deal with on her own. And I think that Sam, that last scene was her feeling this thing that could potentially not be, you know, in her for too much longer. And it almost felt like it was that, that crack of the jar where it's been a year it's, it's been trapped and now, you know, it's time for it to be released. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be terribly mad at a, at a sequel. I thought, I don't know. I read it maybe one of two ways. Like at, at first I was like, oh, she's just happy. She's got a friend. She's got support. She's back in her community. But in retrospect, that wasn't the look on her face. And that wasn't like the tear of joy or just even coming come, coming full circle. It was mm-hmm. almost like it. I don't know if it was like the. I don't even know if it was meant to be a metaphor. Like, I don't even know if it was meant to be like her thinking like, shit, I'm back. Like, I'm never going to escape my culture. This is my life. This is where I am. And this is my community. That's how I was the sadness. Okay. So, but yeah, I liked it. I don't think we need a sequel. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the second I saw it, I was like, well, that's a sequel. Like if I've ever seen an end tag for something that is like to be continued, 
because clearly the demon is still around, you know, but, but I can also see how that, that would make sense. So uh, the thing I always try to keep in mind when I, when we watch a horror film is that they, they almost always are accidentally conservative. Uh, so again, the classic is the slashers who gets punished in a slasher, right? It's the bad kids. And bad means the kids who aren't following patriarchal rules, the ones who drink and do drugs and have sex, right? Uh, in The Exorcist, it's a single mom and her daughter who the daughter has demonic uh, experiences that all look an awful lot like puberty. And the only way that they can be calmed down is by a literal father coming back into the house to make things right. So you have this film that is putting issues of immigration and assimilation front and center. And I think most of us on this podcast, I'm going to guess all of us, I think, uh, would love to have a progressive answer to this, which is like, a, we are the world, you know, let's all live together in a beautiful tapestry of cultures and colors. Um I don't mean that facetiously. I'm just trying to summarize very briefly, like the ideal sort of world we want to live in. Um, but I think this movie maybe is arguing that that's not possible because there's a moment when Sam tells her teacher, it's like all the stuff that was inside me is now outside me trying to hurt me. That was the best line in the entire movie. So how did you read that Mo? Uh, I read that as exactly what I think the whole film was trying to say. The more and more that she tried to not be herself or where she came from or get away from that and be something she was not, that it was literally destroying who she was at her core. Um, yeah, and that's and why I thought I'd read that last scene somewhat in the same thing. It's almost like she succumbed to the fact that she was never going to be more than this. Just like that point when she yells at her mom, like, you never wanted to be more than a Bixie housewife. I think she um, said a Desi, Desi. Mm -hmm. Dixie, um, which is, Dixie, right? Or Desi? No, D-E-S-I. I think it's some uh, kind of gotcha. an Indian Desi. Term. Okay. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So, right. So, like, she's she's been trying to um escape all of that and literally at the end of the film she has to like learn a hindu prayer because she can't even read sanskrit which is what the bhagavad gita is and other hindu texts are written in she has to have her mom read this prayer and teach it to her and so she's literally having to like become a sufi like a hindu holy person to be able to hold this thing inside of her and then because she takes it inside of her she now has to do that we're assuming for the rest of her life right so we see her family gathered around the table this kind of like found family thing with the teacher and tamira and every you know and they're and they're all praying this prayer together um yeah, so it was it was this interesting sort of thing of like you can't escape, you can't get away from it. Um which again, I think on one level there's like a positivist re way to read that, which is like the the cultures that we come from are good and we shouldn't be ashamed of them. But on the other hand, I think she does feel trapped. And I think she mm -hmm. does feel like she was forced back into it. And I think I Adrian, I really like that read that you had of the tear being like the first crack in the in the jar um, that could be setting us up for a sequel. I'd love to see them at freshman year of college or sophomore year of college, and they've had to go to the same college. And like, can can Sam ever date? What happens if a boyfriend wants to take her out to dinner? Right? It's like they have to go sushi, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and just because she embraced her, you know, culture to be able to 
contain this demon doesn't mean that she's fully embraced who she is and right. where she comes from. So does college affect that even more? And does that, you know, crack in the jar start to get, you know, deeper yeah. and, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's all, it'd be an interesting sequel. I don't, I agree with you. I don't think we need a sequel to this film by any means. It's, 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 uh, it's so self-contained and so good, mm-hmm. but, but to your point, Adriana, I think there's, plenty of room for a sequel and if it's done because it's smart not just because the movie is deemed a success i would love to spend more time with these actors and i'd love to see uh see more of this monster you know i i think it's got plenty of plenty of fright left in it so what what about i mean what mo what could you be talked into a sequel (laughs) uh i don't think so uh, okay. I understand what you're saying by smart. Like if they pursued the cultural aspect of it and like, does this exacerbate the problem? Because I do agree, Adriana, like just because she accepted her culture and had a people to go back to doesn't mean she feels any less ostracized from the people around her that she wants to fit in with. Um, but I feel like the sequel is going to become redundant. I, I think we're going to explore the same topic. We're just going to explore it in a different fashion at a later point in time in life. I don't know. And the monster, I like that it was trapped. Let's just move on. Sometimes a sequel's not a good idea, like with almost every horror film. (laughs) I mean, kind of like what happened with Insidious, right? Where the last iteration of Insidious was, oh, homeboy goes off to college, but then the red-faced demon is still around and still wreaking havoc. So I, I, I just wonder if they're if there is like a horror verse because certainly there's more than just like Bishosh like Pishaks Pishaks like I don't know how to do Pishakers Pishashes I don't know how to do the plurals I'm sorry Um, Pishushes anyway uh, I I, I don't know if there are you know multiple versions and like again kind of hearkening back to the 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 Catholic exorcisms like we learn about all sorts of new demons all the live long day so what about Beelzebub? Maybe it's an elderly what about, you know, whatever. Yeah. What about Paimon? We could, you know. Hail Paimon. Yeah. Hail Paimon. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I I would go watch it for sure. Because I think that Megan Surrey is awesome. And she's been in a bunch of stuff lately. And I really would enjoy mm-hmm. it. If nothing else, to see her face in another film. Well, this movie uh, had a budget of about five million. It's looking to make about fifteen million, probably uh, in its nice. in its run. Good. So that's enough to warrant a sequel. That's you know profitable and then some. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this brings us to the end of our review of It Lives Inside. Uh, you should still be able to go catch it in theaters right now. It's a good watch in a theater, uh, and. Yeah, our next episode is going to be on... Now, listen, folks, we've been saying we're going to do a La Llorona episode for a while. It's happening. We're recording it right after this one. Um, And we need to be careful. (laughs) Mo even had trouble finding the right one when he went to watch it. This is the 2019 Guatemalan film, La Llorona. It is not The Curse of La Llorona. It is not the 1935 Mexican film, La Llorona. Uh, This one is uh, directed by Jairo Bustamante, and it is Guatemalan. So, uh, yeah, 
be careful. It's on Shutter. If you have Shutter, you can definitely find it there. Um, but yeah, that's what we're reviewing next. And until next time, take care of yourselves out there. Please don't smash mason jars just because you're having some feels. And of course, whatever <laughs> you do, don't split up. In every horror movie, the first rule of survival is... Yeah.